Heavenly Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning. We need you, Lord. We can't do this without you, Lord. We thank you, God. We pray that every mind, every mind and heart today is open to hear your word and receive your word in spirit and in truth. I ask you for your wisdom, for your guidance to preach your word and deliver your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm excited. Dane had a couple of hours sleep, but I wake up today quite excited to, to preach. So um, let's see where the Lord goes this morning. I try to reserve myself a bit. John set me up already. Bit of giggles, but that's okay. So this year, our, our, once again, uh, and I keep reminding, I love repetition. We're in a theme called loving people this year. And, uh, and, it's, and it's this year that God is teaching us how to outflow the love of God in our hearts and outflow that love and the overflowing of his love and how to love people and what that even looks like in a, in a day-to-day life. And God's been taking us through a bit of a process of maturity, a bit of growth, understanding and growing in the knowledge of God and, and understanding more and more about him. Philippians 1.9 says, as your knowledge for, for him abounds, so will your love abound. Oh, you put that up. Well done. Well done. I wasn't expecting that up. But your knowledge, as your love, as, as your knowledge of God abounds, so will your love for him abound more and more. And it's an amazing transformation that takes place as you continue to understand his word and learn his word and know his word. And uh, as we continue to depend on him and trust him, maturing and our outworking of a genuine faith. You know, God's purpose is that we bring glory to him at the end of the day. Uh, through everything that we do. And in our Christian life, we, 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 we believe in Christ. We take on and we start to take on the characteristics of Christ. And it all is to be giving glory to God at the end of the day. And our call is to serve our community and give glory to God through our community that we're serving here. And it's an amazing opportunity and an honor to be doing that in our day-to-day lives. So last week I shared from, John, uh, from the Gospel of John. And I took us to the last book, which is a unique event in, in, in any gospel. And unlike any, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke, um, there's a climax. You know, Jesus, is, uh, he dies, he goes to the cross, he's resurrected, he walks around glorified. Um, but John continues on another section, which I mentioned. He draws our attention to another, an interaction that he has, that Jesus has with an apostle. And he draws our attention, and he does it for a purpose. And he draws our attention to Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times. Uh, G- uh, Peter not only denied Jesus three times, but he ran away, scared, freaking out, running for his life. And from this under- interaction that we see between Jesus and Peter, we start to see a little bit more of the character of God, and the heart of God, and the love of God, and what he does, and how he restores his people, and how he recovers his people, and it's such an amazing thing to see. You know, Peter the Apostle, he was strong-willed. Uh, if, you've, if you've read the Bible, I'm sure, and I'm hoping that you have, <laughs> you, would, you would see that Peter, he was full of confidence, very strong-willed, one of the most strong-willed. A lot, there's a lot of um, scripture about Peter's attitude and his behavior and the way he, he was really pushing himself and real self-confidence. And uh, he was part of the 12 apostles, not only the 12 apostles, but he was part of the inner circle of the three that Jesus had, which was Peter, James, and John. Um, Peter stood with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration when, when, when God appeared, when Jesus took 
the three, three apostles up, Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah appeared, and God was speaking in a cloud, in the form of a cloud. God appears, God speaks and, and says, this is my son, and they're talking about things, and Peter's going, oh my God, this is crazy. This is God himself, unbelievable. And uh, Peter saw this. He, he saw it. He knew the word of God. He, he knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. He knew, he knew that Jesus was God himself. He knew all of this. But even though he knew the Lord in this way, at the moment of testing, ooh, that's a bit of a boom, at the moment of testing, when the rubber hit the road and the pressure was on, he flunked. He failed. Even after physically walking with, this guy, with Jesus, even after seeing the glorified Jesus with his own eyes, Peter denies Jesus. Unbelievable, eh? He turned and he ran away from the Lord. He went back to his fishing business. He went back to his former way of life. Yet God displays an unconditional love, an unending love to Peter and to the disciples that, that went with him, which I explained that last week, that even though Peter turned away, God still showed his great love for Peter and the apostles. And he shows that he is God of all. He is even God of the fish. He controls all things. He showed him. He showed that even though you turned away, I still provide for you. He provided fish for him for, and for the disciples. Amazing. And it changes and warps around our theology. It's like, do, 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 get, get, get. But no, hey, you know what? God still provided for this man and for the disciples. And this relentless love that God showed to Peter caused Peter to go, mate, I'm going to the Lord. He, he swam back to the Lord to shore, which I mentioned. If you didn't hear it last week, I encourage you to hear it. So Peter, Jesus begins this process of restoration, which we started. And, it, and it's shocking. It's just shocking how simple it is. Uh, I mean, when I, I read I've been reading it for, for years, and I've read it multiple times. But just when you go through it and you start to understand and see what Jesus is actually doing every time, you start to see that one simple question changes this guy back to Christ, changes his heart. And, uh, and we, we pick up at the point where in John 21, 15, uh, just rehashing a little bit of last week, John 21, 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? See, Jesus asked Peter three, three times the one question. Do you love me? And it's like, what is that? I mean, is that how God restores and recovers people? Is that how he does it? I mean, couldn't Jesus think of something else to say? Like, you know, why did you do it, Peter? I can't believe you're thinking about that. You mean you've been with me the whole time. What's going on? How did you betray me like that? I mean, I, I, I mean I've asked that question to people before. <laughs> It'd be like... You know, if I was in that position, don't you know that I'm the Christ? Don't you know that you walked with me and you see me glorified and I'm the God? And don't you know that, you know, what were you thinking? But Jesus didn't ask any of that. He didn't even ask any of that. He didn't even say, you know, <laughs> he didn't even go, all right, well, let, let's look deep into your past and, and try to understand what family line and what's hurt you and how you responded this way. I'm not dismissing counseling or psychology that's very important these days and and he didn't ask any of that right he didn't ask is there grief is there trauma 
He didn't ask any of that. Is there disappointment? And if I think about it, I would say in Peter's life, yes, there probably would be. The guy was in his 30s. You know, I'm sure that he would have experienced some sort of grief and trauma or some sort of bad experience or something that would have affected his decisions or affected the way he was feeling, affecting his emotions. But Jesus didn't even ask any of those questions. He didn't even ask anything. Amazingly, Jesus asked Peter one question three times. He said, do you love me or do you love him? A very simple question, but a very real one. One that cuts through all the fluff, cuts through all the excuses, right? Cuts through all the inaction of a believer. One that cuts straight into the heart. It gets right down to the real question that could determine life, sin, guilt. Or it can determine life, joy, peace. Life to the fullest, eternal life. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus begins this restoration process. And, he, and, he, and by doing that, he asked the one word, Jesus, uh, Peter, do you love me? Which is agape love. And I mentioned that last week. And that pretty much means agape in the Greek, translated back to English, means it's an undeniable, unselfish love. Jesus is going, hey, Peter, do you undeniably, unselfishly, sacrificially, do you love me that way? And after all, Jesus, all he's doing is asking the question back to Peter, because if you look at John 13, John 13, 37, Peter goes, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus, Peter said that to Jesus. Peter said that. So all Jesus is doing is holding him onto that commitment, right? <laughs> Does that commitment still stand, Peter? That simple question, do you love me? It undid him completely. It exposed his heart. It, it brought Peter back to a reality. It removed all the fluff, removed all the excuses. Peter didn't actually sacrifice. He didn't, he, he didn't have that sacrificial love for Jesus. That was the truth. He didn't have that. When Jesus asked him, he realized that, man, I don't. I'm weak. I don't. And with this question, Jesus gets Peter to be real with himself. And rule with his walk with his walk with God, and uh, sometimes we need to ask ourselves the same thing: Do you love Jesus? Not doesn't matter where you are in your journey, doesn't matter how mature or immature, how long you've been in Christ. It's always important to know. It's always important to know where are you? Where do I stand in my belief in Christ? Where do I stand? Where am I? It's very important to know. And, uh, and Jesus asked, asked him, would you follow me? Would you follow me? Jesus asked Peter, do you, do you love me more than your former life? We talked about last week. More than the fishing business. More than catching fish. I love catching fish. Don't go too often. Do you love me more than your lifestyle? More than your comfort? Do you love me? Do you love Christ? Do you love him? Peter, do you really prefer to live a meaningless life? Is that what you're saying? Do you really prefer to go back to your former way of life and live a meaningless life, comfortable life, something that's going to fill up your pockets with money and you can take that to the grave? Is that what you're saying, Peter? Do you love me that much? Is that, I mean, isn't that what life revolves around sometimes? And uh, John was talking about money and I, uh, I'm talking about it from a different angle. 
And I think it's important to talk about because we're in a, a big city. We're in a, the city of Sydney, one of the biggest cities in the world, but funny enough, the third loneliest um, city in the world. So Sydney is the third loneliest city in the world. All the money in the world, but still the loneliness, crazy, eh? And we'll talk about that for a moment. I mean, there's a pool. We've got a pool in this life, in this Western culture that we live in. 10% only lives the way that we do, but we've got a pool, maybe more now, or maybe less, actually. I think there's more poverty. Um, but there's this constant pool. Accumulate more. Fuel me. Fuel, fuel, fuel. Get, get, get. More, more, more. I mean, when's enough enough, right? But that's Sydney life, right? I mean, I'm not saying to stop saving. I'm not saying to stop working. I'm not saying that at all. You have responsibilities. You've got financial commitments. I'm not saying any of that. You need to support yourself. You've got to support your family. Maybe God's called you to run a business and help somebody or employ people. I mean, I'm not denying all of that. I'm not rejecting all of that. Um, but what I'm saying is, do you, love, do you love Jesus more than those things? Do you love Jesus more than these things? Do you love him more than accumulation of wealth? Do you, do you hold on to everything so tightly that it's gripped your heart, like John was saying? So tight that it becomes your idol. An idol that is something, something that takes away your focus, your attention. It becomes your worship. It becomes such a big driving force in our life. Come on, accumulate, come on, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Do you make that accumulation of wealth an idol? I'm not saying it's bad, but do you make it an idol? Do you make it your main focus? Do you make it your main attention? Does it destroy relationships around you? Do you? Don't know. There's a story that Jesus tells of a rich fool who wanted to accumulate all the wealth for, his, for himself. And we'll read it. Luke 12, 16 to, tw- 12, Luke 12, 16 to 21. I'll spend only a couple of minutes and then we'll try to get back into it. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's, this is Jesus saying, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this. He said, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Store all my grain, all my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up. You have many goods stored up for many, many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry, be content, enjoy yourself. Enjoy it. Sounds so funny, Sydney life, eh? But but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? That's how it will be for the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, in this big city, the Western culture, we can easily forget the important things in life. That's why I wanted to mention a little bit today. We forget and we get comfortable with the lifestyle, with an easy lifestyle, focusing only on this life. We're taught to be masters of our own life, right? And we forget that God is in control of all things. He gives life. He takes away life. God is in control. Can anybody add a hair to their head? No? I would like to extension to Can I put some around here? (laughs) We can forget that God is God. Hey, we can very easily get caught up in that speed. (laughs) 
And Peter the apostle realized that God controls all things when he saw that miracle of the fish. He realized that God is sovereign. He realized that God rules and he reigns. It's important that we as Christians continue to remember that, that we're not caught up with the opinions and the views of an ungodly world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. The Bible says that the best way to remain aligned with God's thoughts is to always have the fear of the Lord. Wow. Look at this, Proverbs 14. I love Proverbs. I read the whole book of Proverbs every month. I love it. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Oh, I love that. That's so comforting. The fear of the Lord is healthy. It's a reminder that God is God and we are humans. <laughs> it's a reminder that he is ultimately the one that gives life and takes life. All of our days are numbered of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Many times we don't know what, how, why, why certain things happen. Why things are happening to good people. Why bad things happen. Why good things happen to bad people. We don't know. But we're not God. We don't have all the answers. But he has an ultimate plan. He is in control. And we can put our trust in him, knowing that he is full, in full control. And he is a just God. And he will carry us all the days of our lives. And he will carry us into eternity to those that believe in God or in Jesus. We are not immune to the influences of this world. We can easily get caught up in the world views, the beliefs of the ungodly, a world that removes all boundaries, removes everything. All things are permissible. All things are permissible. But hey, not all things are permissible, according to Christ. The world loves to remove all moral integrity, and he calls it freedom. I have freedom. Hey, good luck for you. Let me know in eternity. Let the fear of the Lord lead you. Let the fear of the Lord guide you. It keeps us on a path of life, turning us away from the snares of greed, lust, and all kinds of selfish actions and behaviors. You know, actually, do you know that the fear of the Lord is critical, is so critical to a believer's life and so important to God that that's how the church even grows. Look at Acts 9.31, right? And this is uh, uh, Luke writing the book of Acts. So Luke, throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Wow. Living in the fear of the Lord increased. See, a church doesn't lead, need loud bangs, excellent productions. We don't need modern-day methods to attract people and increase numbers. Don't need that. Okay, fair enough. There's a relevance, and we, obviously we're not going to put olden-day clothes and, and, and get garbage bins and bang them. Okay, got it. And I touched on it a little bit last week. We, you know, as we grow and as we mature as a church and we grow in the knowledge of God, we seem to be guided away from this institutionalized method or type of church. And what I mean by institutionalized, meaning that we're not concerned with conforming with a certain method. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be concerned with 
conforming to a certain method of how church is run or how the service is, is done, right? We're not boxing the Lord in. Man does that. We are Pentecostal in our belief. Yes, we are. We believe in the day of Pentecost. Yes, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Signs, wonders, miracles, praying in tongues, laying on of hands. We believe in all of that. But we don't necessarily need to follow the modern day Pentecostal practices, which has sometimes become too distracting and over-replicating, losing genuine effectiveness. We don't need to. We're not guided by particular denominations, methods. Hey, we're guided by the Holy Spirit and truth and the fear of God in our heart and His leading. This is not our church. It's His church. We're His people. He was a man to create all these rules. Okay, God's a God of order. Yes, but we seek Him. We seek the light, the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. We don't have authority to institutionalize the church. It's not our church. And the fear of God is what teaches us that. If we live in the fear of the Lord, we're encouraged by the Holy Spirit. He will guide us in all truth and we will increase. All right, that was a side note. Thank you. That was a side note. That was a bang. Go back to where we were. Living in the fear of the Lord will guide us. It will keep us on the path of life, turning away from all kinds of snares and evil desires. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom will guide you and teach you along the way. Praise the Lord. How good's God, man? That God, in his wisdom, that we can turn to him, trust him, fear God, have a reverent fear for him, knowing that he is God of all, and he will lead us and guide us. He's not seeking to control us. He's seeking to give us a life to the fullest. All right, coming back to Peter. Okay. The Lord seeks to restore and recover Peter. And he does this by asking Peter um, in three different ways, do you love me? In three different ways. So going back to it, John 21, 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Now, Peter couldn't admit that this agape love, this unselfish, sacrificial love, he couldn't admit it anymore like he did in John chapter 13. He couldn't admit it. Jesus was exposed, uh, sorry, Peter was exposed. His heart lay bare. He realized that God knows everything. He had to be genuinely real with his love for the Lord. He couldn't pretend anymore. So he changed that word. He changed it to uh, phileo love. He dropped it down slightly and said, God, I, I, I have an affection for you, God. I don't, I, I don't sacrificially love you. I don't have an un, un, unselfish love for you, but I, I love you like a brother and a dear friend. I have that affection towards you, Lord. And Jesus said, okay, feed my lambs. Meaning, if you have an affection, at least be active in your faith. If you have an affectionate love for me, at least be active in, my, in your faith. Show your affection to Christ by the way that you love people, at the very least. See how many of us say, well, it's too hard to love people. They're too difficult. Sometimes they you know, stuff them. Am I allowed to say that? I, hope so. I think I said that last week too. Well, Jesus simply said to you, if you have at least that 
love, that brotherly or sisterly affection. Even, even just that basic affection, then you will at least treat people with kindness. You would at least treat people with gentleness. You would at least treat people with respect, right? Your active faith and your actions will show me that you have this brotherly love for me, right? Jesus goes on a second time. This time a little bit deeper. Okay, John twenty-one sixteen. A second time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said to him. You know that I phileo love you. He said, ah, okay. Still phileo love. Same response from Peter. He was still being real with his love. And that's great. That is really good. Hey, I mean, can you imagine Peter go, I, I agape love you? Hey, it's not true. It's better you be honest with yourself, right? And Jesus responds to him, okay, then shepherd my sheep. And shepherd really means it's a, it's a mere expression or extension of serving, of a serving love. When you're a shepherd, you're serving, right? Jesus is saying, if you have affection and love for Jesus, then simply serve him. Wow. You don't have to have it all together. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that you have to have it all worked out? Who said that? You don't have to be free from brokenness and pain. You don't have to have a perfect agape and selfish love. You don't, you're human. We're not perfect. Whoever said that we have to be perfect to serve God? Whoever said that? God didn't say it, right? But if you have affectionate love for Jesus, then serve him. Don't hide. Don't play a victim. Christ loves you, even if the world hates you. Serve him. Represent Christ in your world. Don't lead, in, don't lead anyone astray. Don't mislead anyone like Peter did with the disciples and he took them to the boat. Don't do that. Don't be self-seeking, self-serving. If any church leader ever demands you to serve them, be warned. Run away. Right? If any church leader ever goes, serve me, that is not church. And self-seeking self-people is sometimes found on stage. So be warned. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Those that lead God's people are the greatest servants. All right? Let's make it very clear. Make it very clear. Am I being clear? I am. That's good. Be active in your faith and your actions. Be active. Serve him. Represent Christ in your world. Represent him. Jesus goes deeper, right to the core the third time. Oh, come on. It's enough. Come on, Jesus. You've made a point. But he goes one more time. Let's go. Come on. All right. John 21, 17. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo love me? Huh? Jesus turned it. He's like, Simon, son of John, okay, I asked you twice if you agape love me. And the answer is no. Okay. Do you really have that brotherly affection for me? Do you? Oh. And this time, you know, Jesus dropped that word. He dropped the level down. And he goes, do you really have that? Yeah, and, and this really hurt Peter. It really hurt Peter. This one cut right 
into Peter's soul. It opened him up. Remember the sword of the spirit? The word of God cuts through every intention, every motive of the heart. He cuts through everything, every thought. John 21, 17. Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you phileo me? Or phileo love me? Peter was grieved. He had a deep pain and a grief in his heart. He's like, not, not because it was the third time. I mean, after all, he denied Jesus three times. So that's a, I guess there's something else your guys is probably doing there. But it was the Lord that questioned his affectionate love. When he, when, he affectioned, when he questioned the affectionate love that Peter had for Jesus, Peter got really hurt. It made Peter question himself and go, ah, do I really have an affectionate love for you? It made him go right deep to his core. It made him think about it. He had to be absolutely, genuinely honest with himself. He could not run. Does he really have an affectionate love for the Lord? Even in his weakness, even in his faulting humanity, even after betraying the Lord, does he really have this? Is he really? Man, that would have hurt. Having to face the truth like that, eh? And for us, there comes a point in our Christian life, comes a point in our faith, when, when our faith changes from being just a belief or a great experience to becoming a genuine reality, a genuine truth that has the power to influence our thoughts and our heart. Even in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our pain, in our trauma, we will, get to, we will need to get to a point and decide, do I really love Jesus more than my pain? Oh. I love that. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I love that. I love just checking. It's great to check, eh? Won't talk about that. (laughs) Do you love him more than your negative experiences? Do you love him? Are we willing, willing to painfully deny our own life experience for God's true life? Are we? You know, otherwise... We won't have genuine faith if we don't go through this, if we don't really question and be real with ourselves. We risk being disconnected, dry and boring in our Christianity. Maybe you're dry and boring. Anyway. <laughs> I wonder how many times, how many of us, we ended up this way, not facing the truth, not facing the reality. And all of a sudden, Christianity doesn't work. It's just a waste of time. I wonder. I wonder how many times, right? Because of the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the discouragement that stopped us and prevented us from going deeper. We end up disconnecting from God and others, just being a hollow shell. (laughs) I mean, I hated going to the beach and picking up a shell. Oh, (laughs) There's nothing in there. Nothing in the shells. <laughs> you know, we, we can't show a form of godliness. We can, I mean, we can show it. But who are we fooling? <laughs> who are we fooling? Going through the motions of life. Survival mode. Looking for cheap thrills, whatever that might look like for you. Showing a form of happiness. But not really fulfilled. Let's not be half in and half out Christian. Sometimes we feel like we can get away with this kind of Christianity, right? It's so popular. 
Hey, I believe Jesus. And then what's in your heart, man? Come on. What's in your heart? Sometimes we can feel like we can get away with it, but we can't. Let's not get fooled. God has everything. And that's right, eh? You said you don't want to say that before, right? God has everything. It doesn't work being half in and out. You can't say, Lord, I love you. I have an affection for you, but I still love my lifestyle. I love my comfort. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? It does, it, don't be fooled. You'll be sucked right into the ways of the world. And that's not God's plan for us. We need to be in it with all of our hearts. Sorry to those that wanted to be half in and out. I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Let's be real. We've got to be genuine. We've got to be honest people, right? Do you have an affectionate love for Jesus? If the answer is yes, then have an active faith by showing it through your actions. Serve the Lord. Serve others. Represent Christ in your world. Then Peter answered Jesus a third time and said in John 21, uh, 17, Lord, you know everything. I can't lie to you. You know everything. You know that I fillet I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think by this time, Peter was finally coming to terms with what Jesus was asking, <laughs> to let go of that former life. God's love is saying, let go of the former life. You've got to let it go, and I'll give you new life. No, it's not going to change your job. It's not going to change your scenery, but your internal world, your internal world, the way you think, what drives you, what motivates you, what moves you. I will change that. Or he will change that world for you if you will trust and depend on him. He's saying, let go of it. Let go of that comfortable life of earning a dollar. He's saying this to Peter, right? Doing what he loved, catching fish. Jesus said, follow your calling, Peter. Pastor God's people. Follow what God's called you to do. Let go of what you know. Trust in the Lord. Let him lead and direct your life. Can you imagine that? That would be tough, man. What if God's calling you to do something uncomfortable? What if God's calling you to do something drastic? Ooh, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. What if God calls you to leave your job, to leave a career? What if he's calling you to help someone you don't want to help? Ah, oh, that's hard. What if he's calling you to get off the couch and not be lazy? <laughs> Make myself laugh. What if he's calling you to give up on some bad habits or bad attitudes? <laughs> what if he's calling you to trust in him more than you trust yourself? What if, right? Maybe he's just calling you to be a loving husband, a loving wife, a trustworthy employer, a trustworthy employee. Maybe he's calling you to that. Even an encouraging or reliable friend. Maybe he's calling you to do that. Whatever it is. Ephesians 4.1 says, walk worthy of the calling you have received. Walk worthy of the calling. Why kick against, why kick against God and what he's called you to do? And how he's called you to live. Why would we kick against him? Do you think that you'll be happy? Do we really think that? I mean, fooling ourselves. Do we think that we're going to be at peace, living in luxury, comfort? Do you think we're going to be left alone, selfishly, outside of the will of God? No, we're not. Don't you know that he is God in your life? Don't you know? He is God of your life. 
Don't you know? Maybe you've felt in the past that God's calling you and you've been hesitant to let go of some things or even some attitudes. Ask yourself, do you have that affectionate love for him? Do you have it? Do you have that affectionate love? Then prove it. Prove it by your faith, your active faith in your actions. Prove it by serving him. Prove it and be obedient to the calling of God in your life. Oh, man, that's so cool. Trust him. I love the word of God. I love the truth. It's, it's just, uh, you can't, there's no gray areas. <laughs> just, let's go. Come on. <laughs> this is Jesus restoring and recovering your life. God is doing this. Not me, I'm the messenger. He's bringing an internal love and internal peace back into your life. And if you didn't have it, he's going to put it in there. If you turn to him and trust in him. Then after Jesus takes Peter on the path of restoration, Jesus continues. I'm nearly done. John 21, 18 to 19. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter will glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. I mean, it's an encouragement, encouraging statement, not for us, because no one wants to get martyred because it's talking about getting martyred. But for Peter, he's encouraging Peter. And he's going, Peter, the first time you were put to the test, you denied me. The next time you're put to the test, you will not deny me. Man, how good is that? Oh, God's good. God is good. History tells us that Peter was martyred by uh, Emperor Nero in 64, 65 AD. And that was Peter's journey, right? But for you and I, it's a living example of Luke 9.23, where, where Jesus said, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, I'm getting, I, I feel like doing backflips. If I knew how to do it, I'd be doing it right now. Jesus said, <laughs> when the rubber hit the road, this is what he's saying, when the rubber hits the road, at your time of testing, when you get hurt, when you get offended, when you get disappointed, will you deny Christ or will you deny yourself? Oh, praise the Lord. God is good. Do you love him? Do you love him? Jesus says, if you do, obey him, follow him, serve him. Do you love him? Put your trust in him. Whatever it is you are called to, glorify God in it. Even though all that pain, that emotion, everything that Peter went through, God restored him. And Peter fulfilled the calling of God over his life. We read it through the New Testament. God can restore and recover you. Remember, your life is in God's hands. He is in control. God is sovereign above all things. Your life is too short to worry about getting caught up in these all everyday kind of things, everyday life. Sure, we need to be responsible. Yes, I'm not saying that. But trust Him. Trust Him. Let Him partner up with you in your life. Let Him lead you to life. Let Him lead you how to do life. He will look after you. He will provide for you. Matthew 6.33, but seek him first. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Seek him. Serve him. Obey him. Follow him. God will look after you. God is seeking to restore and recover your life because of his unending love and his faithful love for you. He's going to look after you. God is good. But the big question for you today, do you love God? Do you love God? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just as you're reflecting right now with your eyes closed, just ask yourself, what do you love? Do you love your comfort? Do you love your wealth or accumulating wealth? Do you hold it so tightly? Does it become your idol, your main focus? Have you been distracted in your life? Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Ask yourself right now. Be real. Ask yourself. Do you trust that God is God of your life? Do you trust Him? And Jesus is asking you today, do you love Him? Then be active in your faith and your action. Do you love Jesus? Then serve Him. Represent Christ in your world. Do you love Jesus? Then don't be afraid to trust Him and be obedient to your calling. God is in control. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your word, for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness over our lives. Thank you for coming after us, seeking us out, even though we don't deserve it. Help us to be firm, Lord, and settled in our decision to love you and follow you. Holy Spirit, would you help us today? Help us depend on Christ and draw on his strength when we need it most. Help us depend on you. We need you, Lord. Give us the strength and the passion to relentlessly pursue you, the knowledge of God, your love. Help us to love you and to love people. And as you say with your eyes closed and your head bowed, there's anyone here right now that has not had the opportunity for salvation. I want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved into his eternal kingdom of heaven. So if you'd like to confess right now for the first time, or even if you're reconnecting, would you pray with me right now? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess you are Lord over my life. Forgive me. Open my eyes to your truth. Teach me your ways. Teach me to love you in my actions, my serving, my calling. In Jesus' name, amen.